came fast. I haven't really recovered. Please uh, sit down. <laughs> I haven't recovered from that song yet. The, um, <laughs> I, I was just reminded that Alistair Begg said that uh, <coughs> the um, only sermon worth preaching was one that you preached to yourself first. And I certainly did that with this one. And if in that small introduction, I'm going to start crying. This is going to be a long day. <laughs> the most obvious lesson to preach this, summit, uh, this Sunday, given these readings, which um, Amos was also a reading, and if you read it, you'll find that in Amos 6, 1 to 7, it talks about the same kinds of things. And so one would think that we should preach about wealth and poverty or, or about the rich giving or maybe a sermon about uh, the difference between um, generous giving versus sacrificial giving, or one about trusting in Lord's provision, because all four readings mention these things. Or perhaps we could talk about judgment or heaven and hell. You probably already figured out I'm not doing any of that. Because <laughs> God has led me to continue the conversation that we've been having for quite a while lately, and that's the conversation about conversation. The parable just read is a conversation, as were the two previous parables. If you go back the, the, in Luke, you'll find that the, the shrewd manager who had a conversation with his boss and then two of the debtors and then the prodigal son who had the, the conversations between the father and the two sons. In fact, the Bible is full of conversations of all sorts. God conversing with individuals, God conversing with Satan, God the Son conversing with God the Father, kings conversing with prophets. And there's lots we can learn from these conversations, and we should, because I think in this world, we're rapidly forgetting how to have them. And by conversation, I don't mean debate or texting. An online dictionary defines conversation as a talk especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. I like that word, exchanged, trading ideas or opinions. At its most basic, a conversation is talking and listening. And what I've been learning is that listening is the most important part of the conversation. And it seems the least developed in modern humanity. So let's get to this conversation that was read by Jan. Three people are mentioned, which should remind us of the triads we've been talking about. This triad, however, isn't a very good one, because only two people talk. <clears throat> That's not a good triad. <laughs> the unnamed rich man and Abraham. Lazarus never says a word. I'm going to assume that the rich man has never said anything to Lazarus, and is continuing this behavior in the afterlife. Somewhere along the line, he picked up his name and perhaps glanced at him from time to time through the tinted windows of his limousine as he was driven in and out of his driveway. Perhaps he even complained to the authorities that this man was reducing his property value. I assume he never stops, never says anything to him, and certainly never asks him anything. So for who knows how many years they practically lived side by side, but know nothing about each other, except that they were in totally different social strata. 
In those days, they used to um, actually use bread as napkins. They would wipe their greasy fingers on the bread and chuck it out the window. And this was probably Lazarus' sustenance. These men were so close, but they had never said two words to each other. This rich man had a gate, and a gate meant he was very rich because the gate kept people out. The rich always have gates to keep the riffraff out. If I get too uh, uh, sarcastic, please pray for me. <laughs> I just realized that as I'm uh, He was also dressed in $1,000 suits. Lazarus was dressed in sores. Sores the dogs licked, which made it even worse because dogs were considered unclean. Many translations say that Lazarus was laid or taken or put at this rich man's gate. In fact, the message says he was dumped there. So perhaps he wasn't very mobile either. Maybe friends or family brought him there every day to fend for himself. Maybe he was put there by hired hands from another rich man who wanted him away from his gate. We don't know why this homeless man is at this particular rich man's gate. We never really know why certain people cross our, cross our paths. It might have something to do with God's plan and divine encounters or something like that. Always interesting, I think, to think about. So you've got two guys on opposite ends of the spectrum, living a few hundred feet from each other, never talking, living in two completely different worlds, yet right there. When I visualize it, it seems strange, and yet similar scenes are played out on places like Park Avenue in New York City, for example, where the homeless sleep on the sidewalks while the rich sleep above them in penthouses. Then in verse 22, it starts to get really interesting. Both guys die. Apparently, wealth didn't increase the rich man's lifespan or decrease the poverty's, uh, the Lazarus, or poverty decreased Lazarus's. But look, look what just happened. The rich man was just buried. Lazarus disappeared. Angels just take him away. And he's brought to Abraham's side or bosom. Uh, this term was used to signify where the, in Jewish thought, where the righteous went to wait uh, for judgment. It can also be translated lap or a place of comfort, of, of, of safety. And Hades was where the wicked went until judgment day. But finally, the conversation begins. But even now, the rich man keeps up appearances. Rich men don't talk to beggars. They talk to others of their status. Important people talk to important people. So the rich man talks to Abraham and says nothing to Lazarus. Because Abraham was more on his level. So, and he did what people would usually do, you know, tell Abraham, who's on his societal level, to send the bum. Send the lackey Lazarus to get me some water. Another way to look at it is that the rich man was uh, appealing to the law. Uh, Abraham would represent the patriarchs, the keepers of the law, those whose relationship with God established the Israeli nation and therefore would be judges for that law. Jesus was telling this parable after all the Pharisees, those who felt that they were heaven-bound based on their keeping of the law. His audience would have all agreed that Lazarus was obviously a sinner because your condition in society was directly related to your level of sin. Lazarus was obviously sinner of the worst kind. So one wouldn't even talk to such a creature, would avoid him at all costs. 
In fact, the rich man was bending low to even be willing to take water from such an unclean, despicable character. I, I wonder how much our thinking has changed today. Abraham goes on to explain that the reason that this wasn't going to happen and states that there is an uncrossable, and I always get confused, is it chasm or chasm? But anyway, perhaps the chasm or chasm was a failure to communicate. The rich man goes on to argue with Abraham about converting his brothers and sending Lazarus to do it again while he's totally ignoring Lazarus himself. After death, it, it's too late to change things. How might it have been if the two men had struck up a conversation on this side of death? It can happen. The book, Same Kind of Different as Me, describes just such a situation. The two authors, Ron Hall, who was an international art dealer, and Denver Moore, who was a homeless ex-modern-day slave from Louisiana. Ron's wife volunteered at a soup kitchen, drew her husband in. They met Denver and relationship ensued. But it took time, it took conversation, and it took listening, not judging. At one point, Denver says, if you took a normal fella and dropped him off in the hobo jungle or under the bridge, he wouldn't know what to do. You got to be taught to live homeless. This took time and hanging out together Ron took Denver to the country club, and Denver took Ron to the hood. And because they took time talking and listening to each other, they actually became friends. And of course, God orchestrated the whole thing. Without God, Ron would never have spent the necessary time to get to know Denver, and Denver would never have spent the necessary time to trust Ron. Because it can't just be a mission project. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with mission. But I want to get to something more elemental, more more than just being helpful, being with, being known. Something that Jesus is all about. It's God's desire from the beginning. In Genesis 3, 8, it says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I believe this is what happened. <clears throat> Doesn't that give you a picture? of Jesus walking in the garden to meet with Adam and Eve for their daily walk? And there's no indication that this was somehow abnormal. Sounds to me like this was a routine. A routine that ended that day, unfortunately. But I believe that routine and that God wants and, and we want to return to that walk. There's something about walking that leads to conversation, sometimes with words and sometimes without. Maybe it's easier to listen while your feet are moving. I don't mean to sound like I'm lamenting, but I am. <laughs> and I'm not lamenting about something I've had and lost. I'm lamenting something I've never had, but believe is possible. Something that God has put on my heart that won't let go. The idea of conversation. I'm not very good at it. Anyone who's spent any time with me knows that it's an up and down proposition to have a conversation with me. My son, Ben, whose son was baptized last week, still blames me for his social awkwardness. But I don't need to tell you that it's hard nowadays to have a civil conversation. 
about anything important anymore. It's dangerous to bring up certain topics. If I say a word like immigration, you can feel the tension rise. We're brothers and sisters in God's house, yet our minds are racing with arguments about it. Everybody, take a deep breath and relax. I'm not going to talk about, you know, that thing I just said. But that's not how it should be. And the brothers Karamazov, for those of you who are reading it, Madam Katerina Koklakov, if you've gotten that far, says, who isn't in a fit of passion these days? We're all in a fit of passion. A man sits singing some old song and suddenly something annoys him. He takes out a gun and shoots whoever happens to be there. This seems to be ridiculously true today. We let emotions rule over reason. Alistair Begg, who I mentioned a minute ago, Scottish pastor in Cleveland, Ohio, put it this way. We've become slaves to our emotions instead of making our emotions servant to our will. Because that's not how it should be. Isaiah 118 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. We're to reason together with the Lord and with each other. How often in the Bible are we encouraged to listen to what the Lord says? How often are we told that we have ears to hear, but we don't? Listening is a lost art form. Kairos has a method that's talked about often. Listen, listen, love, love. Simple. That's one of the foundations of Kairos. Listen, listen, love, love. God is the God of the heart and listens to our hearts and wants us to know his heart. Being created in his, him, is in his image, it behooves us to practice listening to each other, to each other's hearts. And we can't do that if we're busy preparing our arguments while the person is talking. Even if we're quiet long enough to allow the other person to finish, we haven't listened if our mind is developing our counterpoint. And I know this because I, unfortunately, do it. Listening is a very vulnerable and humbling position to put oneself in because I'm allowing you to drive the flow of the conversation. This is hard in a competitive world where we all want to win. If I listen and ask questions to get a better understanding of where you're coming from, I may squander an opportunity to nail you on a weak point. But I may gain your heart. I may learn your humanity and, and love you even though we have a difference of opinion. It's less I'm right and you're wrong and more we're the same kind of different. Prisons are filled with conservatives and liberals, Democrats and Republicans and everything in between. But through Jesus Christ, we can sit around tables and talk about whatever comes up and listen to whatever people have to say. The dignity of being heard is a powerful lever that changes men. I'm not talking about conservatives changing into liberals or Democrats becoming Republicans. I'm talking about the lost becoming saved. Oh, totally over. Oh, my God. 
So I'm learning how to love those different than me. I'm learning that we don't have to agree with each other to still be in the same room and love each other. To truly hear someone, you really need to see the person. Nonverbal communication is 50 to 75% of communication by most studies. And if you're with someone, it keeps you honest. It's harder to zone out, so therefore increases the odds of you actually hearing all of what the person is saying. So much of communication is seeing the pain on someone's face when they're trying to make the best of it, or seeing the concern on someone's face when you're trying to make the best of it. I work with people with developmental disabilities, and some are nonverbal. So we have to listen to them with our eyes. What makes a person happy or angry? The Bible's all about restoration. Jesus came to restore our relationship with God, to restore Eden and return us to a time when we walked in the garden with him in the cool of the day. Can you imagine? We just sang about the holiness of God. And to walk with him in the cool of the day. So let's practice civil conversation. Let's practice deep conversation. These are good skills we'll need in our new neighborhood. We'll need to understand who they are, where they're coming from, where they want to go, how we'll become friends, not how to change them. There are opportunities to learn to practice listening and good conversation. Next month, Cross Current Living Waters will give you a chance to listen to hearts and share yours. Every Saturday, AMS, Emmaus gives you a chance to hear the cries of Bridgeport. The Bridgeport Rescue Mission is another place to meet and understand people who seem different than you and find out that they're not. There's Bridgeport University and Bridges where you can hear the cries of young people from other countries. Look around, listen to each other. It's amazing what we might find out. To quote Denver Moore again, every man should have the courage to stand up and face the enemy. Because every person that looks like an enemy on the outside ain't necessarily one on the inside. We all has more in common than we think. Jesus Christ is all about closing the abyss between right and left and red and blue. We are adopted into one family, one love. That's the theme of my talk on the church next month. October 24th to 27th, when we'll spend three and a half days in McDougal Correctional Institution again, our fifth time of listening, listening, loving, loving men in that particular facility. Most sermons don't have commercials, but let me make a brief public service announcement. <laughs> Kairos is presently in seven different Connecticut prisons, but we're having trouble finding volunteers and not burning out the ones we have. I guarantee if you come, you'll see a miracle. If you're not into miracles, don't bother coming. It's too late to get on this team, but you can get a taste, if you like, by coming to the closing on October 27th. If you want to know more about that, you can talk to Paul Hiller, Tony Fossum, Dick Day, my wife Karen, all of whom have been to one. It'll be about a four-hour commitment, depending on how far your drive is. You'll get to hear testimonies from the inmates about what happened to them during the weekend. I have applications if you're interested, but they have to be to get in this week. This is a busy time with all the moving, so I'm petitioning now, a month in advance, for prayer hands and placemats and posters. 
Prayer hands are a physical manifestation of God's love that the prisoners see on the walls all around them. As I've said before, these are powerful reminders that there are people who are remembering them in prayer. For men, in, to, for men who assume they've been forgotten, this is immense. Placemats are used at every meal, although many of the guys actually don't use them because they take them back to their cells again as reminders that they are known. Posters also are a constant reminder of God's love. Our supply of posters, unfortunately, was destroyed by the correctional officers in the York facility who decided they were laced with drugs. That's never happened before, so we really need them. Remember, all artwork must never include any stickers or anything glued on them, because that's where the drugs are hidden, apparently. I have all these supplies outside. You can take them home and just bring them back within the next couple of weeks. So you have time to, to decide. So now back to our regular program, still in progress. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, we're almost done. Psalm 81.8. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me. Verse 11. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. Verse 13, oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. The first thing we need to do is listen to God. The chief of Nebuchadnezzar's eunuchs listened to Daniel, saw that he was zealous for his God and allowed him to refrain from meat and other kingly delicacies and was rewarded by a healthy bunch of servant recruits. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Paul said to King Agrippa in Acts 26, 3, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Thank you for listening to me patiently. Listening is crucial to salvation, to relationship, to healing, to maturing, to so for our two minutes of silence, relax and listen. Be still and know that he is God. And perhaps God will put someone on your mind who needs to be listened to and not argued with. I'm keeping time. Amen.